welcome to Manage Self, Lead Others. My name is Nina Sunday and today I feel very privileged to be speaking with two senior leaders from a company I have worked with in the past at their offsites, Kronos, which merged recently with uh, UKG uh, to uh, form an ultimate UKG organization. We're going to talk about that. Um, I'd like to welcome Neil Solomon and Charlie DeWitt. Nope. And I'll just explain that Neil Solomon is Vice President of Asia Pacific and Latin America for UKG. He developed, executed and led both US and international organizations to drive growth in the company. You've been with the organization about 20 years, correct? And uh, six years focusing on growing markets in Asia Pacific and Latin America. And Charlie DeWitt, you are Managing Director of UKG Australia, New Zealand and Southeast Asia. Asia. And when you were Vice President of Business Development, uh, you drove strategy. Uh, the goal is to grow, grow uh, as a $1 billion global enterprise software leader. So I just want to say that top of my list has been to interview the senior leaders of, of Kronos, now UKG, because whenever I have any, had any dealings working with the teams, I've been absolutely amazed at not only the culture and the the, the respect that uh, everybody has for their leaders and the engagement but also they frequently quote that it's on the list as a best place to work so welcome very much to neil and charlie thank you Nina. thank you nina now recently there was a merger so perhaps we should open by a little bit of a discussion around uh, how you know what what that was about and i believe the new tagline is our purpose is people so uh neil do you want to sort of talk to that yeah certainly nina thank you um so yes we're almost one year into the merger between ultimate software and chronos incorporated so we took two companies that were roughly equal in size in terms of revenue roughly in round numbers about 1.3 to 1.5 billion dollars each in turnover roughly the same amount of employees, roughly six to six and a half thousand. And, you know, we, we merged these two companies to have this wonderful HCM platform that we can take to the markets where, where we are. Um, you know, of course, none of us predicted that we'd be trying to do this highly complex, very large merger in COVID times, which is really, um, if only we were able to base our valuation on degree of difficulty, doing this mer a merger of this stature in COVID times would be pretty, pretty incredible. Um, you know, we, the, one of the things, yes, our purpose is people, and that goes both internally and externally. You know, one of the things that we said to our people early on in, in COVID times is we're protecting everyone's job. And our CEO, Aaron Ain, put that out there at the very beginning of this. And ferociously, we protected people's jobs over the last year, especially when there was COVID and then there's the natural trepidation thinking, wow, we're putting two companies together, who's gonna to be made redundant? So in fact, we'll be adding jobs to the company. And so it really manifested, our purposes people really manifested itself both internally as well as externally. Thank you, Neil. And of course, both of you uh, relocated from the USA to uh, reside here in Australia. And of course, Charlie, your focus is Australia and Southeast Asia. Of course, amid COVID, 
trying to grow Southeast Asia at the same time as Australia, when probably you would have been uh, going to and fro, but you had to do it from a distance. What have been the biggest challenges there? Oh, uh, certainly, I think you hit the nail on the head that the biggest challenge is our inability to get there physically and work with the teams on the ground there. I mean, that being said, the folks that are in Hong Kong and in Singapore are working incredibly diligently, still delivering value, still doing well. But uh, we, we do wish as a leadership team, we could get up there more and work with them. Of course, uh, you know, the, uh, the online meeting has really uh, come of age. And so we now have the capacity to cultivate that rapport that comes from, um, you know, frequent meetings online. So perhaps in, in some respects, we're, you know, we're able to uh, bridge that, that gap through uh, uh, amid COVID until we can actually be physically present on the ground, would you say? We saw a tremendous productivity surge uh, because uh, things could be executed in a, a remote way and uh, in, in a 2D format. But uh, I was just writing to the team today, uh, there's no substitute for 3D high def, real life interaction with, with others. I recently, both Neil and I have been out and about with customers and with uh, the UKG team here in Australia for the last few weeks. And uh, it's nothing like a 3D smile. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you, you do have some wonderful um, catchphrases. I, another one is trust, transparency and relationships. And you've got some leadership uh, summits coming up. The APAC, uh, how do you say it? LATAM? Latin America? Yes. Yeah, Latin America, yes, Nina. <laughs> so tell us about these, uh, these uh, summits that are coming up. Right. So um, about five years ago when we had our first leadership summit, so imagine getting teams together, people from India, you know, from China, from Australia, and from Mexico and Latin America. You know, a leadership team across a, a diverse set of cultures, a diverse set of countries, and trying to put, you know, the team together to appropriately act as one, but really thoughtfully not to come off as a U.S. company that's telling people in, in, in other countries on how to do their job. So we hired Dr. Yossi Feinberg, who is the Dean of the Graduate School of Business at the Stanford University Business School to facilitate one of our leadership summits. And one of the simple things that he instilled upon us was this whole concept of trust, transparency, and relationships. And you know, what we find, and Charlie and I talk about this, you know, probably anecdotally on a weekly basis, is whether it's a partner we're working with whether it's an employee that we're interviewing, um, someone we're grooming internally, executive sponsorship meetings that we have with clients, that those are the three legs of the stool that really resonate across cultures and resonate across countries and resonate internally and externally. And they've evolved to be the, touch, the touchstone for all of us as part of the culture of, of our region. And of course, Kronos uh, and UKG seem to have their own language. Uh, you, you refer to multipliers. Can you describe what, what a multiplier is, please? Right, so there's a famous book written by Liz Wiseman, um, which is just simply called Multipliers, and it's a leadership book. And I highly recommend it to anyone who's in a leadership position. You know, I've heard a number of your speeches that I've seen on, on YouTube and, and channels online but you talk about some very similar concepts, right? About building up people who can attract and optimize talent, not people who are minimizing talent. 
people who are liberating talent, um, you know, team members, as you call them, not employees, to challenge people and extend, to create debate, and then from the debate have decisions, um, and then instill ownership and accountability are really some of the concepts that go with it. At its simplistic term, what we've learned through science, through Dr. Wiseman's writings is, if you could be a leader as a multiplier, you'll probably get about five times the productivity out of your team members uh, versus if you're a diminisher, which is also known as like someone like a micromanager, when people will just do the task they're given, nothing more, nothing less, and that's it. And so these are some of the things that we picked up through academia and through reading, working with people like yourself and others, you know, that's helped really shape our, our culture that we have in our company and our regions. And of course, what, what I'm hearing you say, Neil, is that multipliers will actually foster individuals to put in discretionary, discretionary effort. Whereas if you have these micromanagers that diminish people's own feeling of uh, contribution or self-worth or don't get acknowledged if ideas are stolen and posed as the manager's idea, that all uh, inhibits people from bringing their best self to work. So it seems to me that what I've seen in action is that Kronos uh, and now UKG uh, managers there are, are taught to be conscious of how they speak, the behaviours they uh, they participate in by engaging their people. So um, this whole multiplier effect <laughs> sounds very uh uh, very fruitful. And and Charlie, you 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 were going to talk a little bit about team avengers and cross-functional camaraderie. So perhaps you could tell us a bit about that, please. I was in a sales call with my sales director probably about a year ago and, and we were exiting and he says, it's like selling a team avengers. Everybody has a superpower and everybody has everybody else's back and everybody goes the extra mile to just just come together and do what's right for the customer. And so we've sort of adopted that as, as a motto, as a team Avengers, it's time for the Avengers. You know, when, when the going gets tough, the Avengers show up. Uh, it's it's uh, become a mantra. Um, we even did a, a little internal video on that, uh, had some laughs with that. Uh, I guess the other thing I would say there, a little bit coming back to our purpose as people, is, um, we have another internal motto here, and that is uh, take care of the customers, take care of each other and everything else will take care of itself. And those have been words to live by, it really helps us um, make tough business decisions, the big ones, uh, doing what's right for the customer, doing what's right for the people. Um, um, I think everyone appreciates that. That's the, uh, the feeling I've picked up when I've been working with Kronos I ha uh, before the merger, is that the one comment about your former CEO was that he was kind you know, you have human empathy, you demonstrate care, and it becomes part of the culture. And it's not this, um, you know, we're just here to do a job approach. It's like, well, we're, we're humans. And for us to get the best of each of ourselves and each other, we do have to demonstrate care. And I love the fact that you've got a catchphrase. I mean, the best, uh, the best teams have some sort of slogan or some sort of nickname that people can get behind. So uh, how widespread is Team Avengers? Is it just one particular team or does every team create its own name or how does that work? <laughs> it's, it's really the entire region. And, and you know, great examples, um, sales ops and uh, services and support and marketing and pre-sales, everybody comes together to do what's right for the customer. 
it, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And I think, um, you know, folks that have been in the region for, for a long tenure maybe don't appreciate how good they are. And I feel part of my job is to let them know you're, you're world-class, best, best in the world here. So uh, keep doing what you're doing and we're all gonna be fine. Not only that, the company is world-class. So the people are world-class, the company's world-class, everybody's, everybody's happy. In fact, your global CEO, Aaron Ain, wrote a wonderful book, Work Inspired, and there are a number of concepts in there that I think uh, are worth uh, discussing. One is Courage to Lead. Neil, do you want to talk about that? And, and sure. Management Effectiveness Index? Yeah, for sure. And those kind of go part and parcel with each other. And, you know, just the fact that um, our CEO, Aaron, wrote this book and the, and the title of the book, what it is, is very telling in its own right. And so to support that, you know, beyond the book is really the philosophies that we have. And so Courage to Lead came out six or seven years ago, which was this global initiative that we had which really rewarded people for transcending their positions. Charlie spoke about the team Avengers and the transcendence that happens in this region here. But what we're really looking to do is as we're evolving, this is even pre-merger, and uh, this certainly carries forward, is recognizing rewarding people who, as I said, transcended their job, their department, who contributed to kind of the greater good of the company. Along those lines from a metric standpoint, um, you know, everyone speaks about employee engagement, and I know from listening to, to some of your stuff, Nina, that it's really about employee experience, which is transcendent of employee engagement, which is part of a culture, is we came up with a set of metrics within our annual survey that also gives very specific and pointed feedback and asks very specific questions about the division that you're in and your direct manager. And so in addition to the kind of the macro level numbers that one would expect from a survey, it also gives very specific answers or very specific feedback in a couple of very specific areas about the immediate supervisor. But then it's up to people like Charlie and I who work with our um, HR business partner to sit down and provide the appropriate counseling and coaching um, as required. But oftentimes they leave because of their manager. So we all very deeply uh, care about this management effectiveness index and, and really strive to be the best managers that we can be. Now, I believe there are some specific behaviors that goes, go uh, that are measured as part of that index, because I can remember one manager when we were do talking about productivity and time management saying, my role is to make sure I include time for one-on-one -on -one discussions, check-ins with my people. So do you have sort of metrics around that, like a minimum that a manager really needs to uh, achieve, not, not just in a robotic way, but just as a, as a guide of what's best practice? We don't have the metrics per se about numbers of meetings a week, yeah. individual employees, but we do one of the very specific questions in the management effectiveness index is, have you had a career development discussion with your manager in the last six months. So, you know, it's, it's incumbent on all of us to make sure that we do that. Things get so busy, uh, sometimes you can forget to do those kinds of things or put it off, uh, but it's a priority here. I, I think the, the communications is, is not maybe as, as formal, but more informal, but definitely happens on a regular basis. Uh, at least with all my direct reports, I, I'm talking with them all the time. 
And of course, it's almost like a checklist because if people know what's expected of them, then they'll make sure they incorporate it into their week and their month. And that's how you maintain the engagement and, you know, being listed on, as a best place to work on these global in uh, global lists. So, um, yeah, so you're definitely doing something right. Um, now, Aaron in his book also talks about my time. What mm -hmm. can you tell us a bit about that, please? Sure. So when, when I was at corporate, uh, we rolled this out in the U.S. And the idea was that, and Aaron talks about this in his book, it's all based on trust. But you can take as much time as you want. You just need to figure out how to get your job done and work with your manager. But if you need to go to India for two weeks to go visit family, or you want to take a mini sabbatical, um, that's, that's all um, on, on the up and up. That's all okay. You want to take a particular Friday off because you've just been working super hard for a long period of time. As long as you just validate it with your manager, it's fine. There is no limit to the amount of time that you can take off. Now, in trying to roll this out to the regions, we have found that there are very many different kinds of governmental regulations on how you can do that. So we've been a little slower to roll that out in Australia, but we are looking at that very actively right now and hope to have a program in place in the coming months. Anita, we actually have to have the opposite discussion with people to encourage them to take time off, yeah. right? Especially in COVID times where, you know, we're all linked on video and obviously we're very fortunate here in Australia with the, uh, with the health of the nation as a whole, which certainly is not the case around the world. But we've certainly had to, um, you know, remind people, take the day off, take a week off, and uh, people appreciate it. You know, it's the exact opposite conversation that you typically expect to have with someone, which is really encouraging them to take some time off. Yeah, it's very interesting what's come out of this whole COVID experience last year is that, uh, if anything, people did more than they probably would if they were working in the office. Everybody pitched in. Uh, they call it surge capacity. It's like there was there was a, a common goal and we all had to make sure that uh, we, we got the job done even though we were working uh, separate from each other. And so, yes, we do actually have to be mindful of, hey, you do have to stop. <laughs> you so, do have you know, to take time out for yourself. <laughs> you know, one of the, you mentioned before we have to have a phrase. So one of the phrases we had in the, probably July, August, September timeframe was we might be far apart, but we're closer than ever. And that really rang true. You know, you spoke before about the MEI and about having regular meetings with people. But we, what we found is that people were communicating heaps more um, on video and doing things even remotely socially more than they were when they were working in the office together. Because you know, the ability to do this um, organically was kind of taken away you know, the, the physical 3D, as Charlie called it. And of course, it's not just Australia. You're, you're managing Lat Latin America and Southeast Asia. So in India, what are the specific challenges of those particular other areas other than the USA and Australia? Yeah, so it's, it goes back to what, um, what we discussed before when we had the folks from Stanford come in. You know, we took appropriately the time to build relationships and have trust and transparency with people from multiple trips, business trips over the years. And so those relationships and that trust is rock solid. And, you know, we just had to make sure that we can't go to India for a week and go on 15 to 20 sales calls 
but really make sure we spend the time to do video calls, you know, not just with direct reports, but you know, different as, as a region as a whole and at the individual level and, and handle it that way. I think what we've been able to do is have more frequent communications versus just the quarterly trip to a certain geography, but to really get to spend more time with people on a more natural organic basis, even though it's remote. Now, with all that said, we can't wait to get back on planes and see people face to face. We can't wait to get back on planes and go enjoy these wonderful cultures and cuisines of all the countries that we cover. But you know, like everyone else, we're doing the best that we can with, um, with remote outside of Australia. Yeah, this this whole COVID thing has been a reset with some definite silver lining, apart from the health and you know the the health and the the illness side of things. Just from a, a operating business, it's given us an opportunity to question how we did things in the past, and maybe uh, will some of the things that we've done just as a matter of uh, emergency will actually stay stay put. Can you think of some of these silver lining? um behaviors that you'll probably keep 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 doing so there are a number of them but i think one of the things we came to realize and also our customers came to realize was we don't necessarily always have to be on site to do a remote configuration um so there there was a tremendous productivity um explosion i think in the, particularly in the early days of covid we've seen that i think also and I've talked to a number of customers about their positions about going back to work post COVID. I don't think anybody believes we're gonna get back to exactly the way it was before. I think a lot of people are a lot more um, amenable to the work from home, to the flexible lifestyle. The kind of coming back to Aaron's idea of trust, as long as you get your work done, do it, do it in your time. You do it in a way that balances your work and your life. Um, I definitely think that that is something that we're going to see it as well as virtually every other organization I've talked to in Australia. And I do believe there's um, five strategic pillars and one of the pillars is listening to our teams. So is that the most important of the five pillars, do you think? <laughs> there, it's, it's hard to, it's like saying which of your kids is your favorite, but uh, they're all important. Um, so three of the pillars have to do with the business. And, and sort of more mechanics of the business. And the other two are customer first and, and uh, better together or, or listening to, to people. I firmly believe if you take care of your customers and you take care of each other, that we'll be fine. And so we put a specific focus on this. Um, our HR, uh, director of HR sits on the leadership team. Is there kind of to counterbalance some of the more financial and, and operational sides of the business, but we always have that at the forefront of our mind. Um, and, and the key for me anyway, is, is listening, communication, and time. You've got to spend time with people. You've got to hear them out. You've got to hear not just what they're saying, but what, what they need to say. What, what's their latent commentary? That's, that's good. And, and to ask clarifying questions and not to jump to a conclusion. And it's, it's interesting, we can all learn by reflection, because sometimes I will have automatically jumped to a conclusion, then by just with a bit of reflection, I think, oh, maybe I should ask some clarifying questions. And I, I kind of have to quietly reset my own brain in terms of, oh, well, I did jump, 
did uh, form an opinion rather hastily there. So, but that's all part of uh, growing in emotional intelligence is our ability to reflect on what we do and say and then adjust as required. I guess personally, one of the hardest things for me was to be comfortable with silence. So when we're having a conversation, allow the other person to reflect and, and really put together um, what they're thinking. And, and don't necessarily jump in and lead the witness. Uh, just listen carefully. That's a very good point because my understanding of thinking styles is that some people have to kind of say it in their head silently before they open their mouth. And I'm a bit of a quick thinker and a quick talker. And I've learned that, ah, I think they're just kind of reflecting what they are going to say. So just sit back and let them speak. <laughs> Don't rush in, be, be okay with silence. That's, that's a very good lesson for all of us. Now, how is it that you, Neil, uh, the CEO, Aaron Ain, I don't know about you, Charlie, do you write blog articles as well? Not too much. <laughs> but how is it that uh, senior leaders in the organisation find time to write? Well, it's part of the new normal, right? I mean, this, as things evolve, it's, um, it just has evolved to be part of, of, of what we do. Um, you know, just like video has evolved to be part of what we do with people these days. And, you know, as social media took, took hold a number of years ago, both at the personal level as well as things like LinkedIn, um, I think there's a level of expectation that in addition to traditional corporate ways of communication, you know, there's an element of communication that happens on social media channels. And so do you find that your staff really appreciate reading your blog articles and, and derive, you know, uh, inspiration from it? So um, internally, I don't write articles. I do, I do blog videos or blogs. Oh, I see. Right. So right. again, in COVID times, trying to reach out and touch people more and have more of that intimate kind of a communication style. Um, I've taken over the last six months or so into doing blogs on almost a monthly basis. Um, that can cover a multitude of topics that typically two minutes or less, um, kind of get to the high points, try to have some fun with it, instill some fun with it, and stay, stay in touch with people um, through video, which is a, a different level of internal communication. I've even taken to doing some of them externally as well, which are typically fairly well received, and they're also differentiated from just you know, the thousand emails that these executives get from a multitude of sources. Now, of course, you had to start somewhere and did you find that your ability to do these two minute, three minute videos evolved over time and now it's just incorporated as part of your, your monthly duties? You know, it's one of the wonderful people um, that we work with who's one of our team members um, who happens to be in the US. She's responsible for enablement. And she said, you know, she has been kind of a leader in terms of using video communications our CEO puts out, he calls it Aaron at work. He uses video as a medium on a very regular basis. But we really worked it down that people really will pay attention to a good solid two minutes. Yeah. And it also forces one to really get to the point and really think through what they want to say and kind of make it fun, make it topical and um, you know, have kind of a call to action where it's appropriate. Well, you're right. As Mark Twain said, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. 
exactly. about being crisp and clear and getting it getting to the point. But um, now, in in a recent blog article, you talked about trends in twenty twenty one. People before profits, businesses adopt a greater purpose. And one of the earlier blog art, uh, blog episodes with Michael McQueen talks about if you go for purpose, profitability will look after itself. So is that along the same lines? All right. So on that point, Nina, right. So we did our, you asked me about our leadership summits before. So the one that we did in August, we hired Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman, who's um, a psych behavioral psychologist. And we really in COVID times kind of unpacked Maslow's hierarchy of needs to some degree and realized you know, the various pieces of that and where people around the world might be in that hierarchy of needs, um, which is very relevant. You know, In certain countries, it was more food and shelter. Here in Australia, we're certainly more you know, in some other parts of that. And so what we tried to do was further the work of Maslow to the next level and really helping people not just self-actualize, but transcend. And by doing that and putting our, think about this, in, in previous times, we would have spent, dedicated these leadership summits to the nuts and bolts of our business and very specific business things, market trends, strategies that we would employ. And this past August, when we did it, we dedicated it completely to people and how we could help people transcend and achieve their personal goals and objectives. Because we also know with the hierarchy of needs is that as the lower items are satisfied, they tend to regress. And even in the tough times that we've had here and around the world, and again, some of my markets are in much worse shape than Australia is relative to COVID. And so what we found is our results have been stellar and record results. Um, and really we put our focus into people, you know, not just the nuts and bolts of how we run our businesses. Yeah, it seems to me that, uh... UKG is a company that looks after both heart and soul as well as results and uh, that's what makes it such a wonderful place to work. I think you, your staff retention is probably pretty high. Would that be right, Charlie? Absolutely. It's uh, very, very high. Our employee engagement scores are, are in the high 80s. Staff retention is very good. Um, and one of the things we are looking to do uh, as an expansion is to start bringing younger talent into the business. It seems there's a dearth of uh, workforce management expertise in Australia. So we are deciding to uh, uh, start a co-op program or an internship program and start bringing young talent in and exposing um, people early in their careers to, to what we can have to offer. Hopefully we can capture some of those folks and I don't mean that in a bad way, yeah. but uh, uh, and, uh, and you know, grow the business that way. Yeah, well, what you do capture them because you've got to win people's hearts and minds if you want them to go the extra mile and put in that extra effort. So, and it seems to me that uh, anybody listening to this podcast today, take heed of the lessons that uh, UKG is uh, sharing with us today. The, the other trend the blog described was uh, life work synergy, work and the workplace will be more centred around employees' lives. Is that something specific uh, or a path that you're specifically following? Absolutely. I think that really started back at corporate years ago with the My Time initiative and just this recognition that it's not work, 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 work. I think Aaron says, if, if he used to say, if Kronos is the most important uh, thing in your life, then you need to rearrange your life um, and, and give hugs to your friends and your family. 
So it started then and, and really fairly relaxed when people came and, and, and went and, and the time they took off. But COVID really took that to a new level where, uh, where you, had to, you had to balance work-life synergy. You might be on a conference call and there's somebody at your door or your dog's barking or there was a little bit more of that. And I think there's more acceptance by others because they were in the same, same boat that you were in. And, and as I said before, I think we will never get back to the five day a week in the office situation. We are right now, we opened our offices uh, about a month ago or, or three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And we are encouraging people to come back and, and meet with each other, but uh, it, it'll never be sort of a mandate. We're, we're gonna take this slowly and, and work with our folks so that they maintain that work-life balance. And the third trend is that uh, HR will have to reinvent itself and there'll be a bit of a rebirth in HR. So uh, can you name any particular changes that that, that, that reflects? Sure, I, again, I think COVID has caused us to, to not just us, but particularly the marketplace and the customers we deal with to look at their people a little bit differently. You know, in the past, organizations might take their people for granted. They're the most flexible re resource. They, they can give and take. And they maybe didn't appreciate people as, as much as they should have. With COVID, I think there was a much more of a focus on people and thinking about, wow, these are the folks that, that I work with every day that are delivering our, our mission statement to our customers. Um, we, we need to really think about how to make their lives better. And... Uh, yeah, with COVID, there's been this, this focus on people. Going way back, David Meister wrote the book Trusted Advisor. And it seems to me that that particular concept has got legs. And I understand that your HR people now perceive themselves as trusted advisors instead of, a, uh, for want of a better term, tick and flick, you know, just uh, looking after the dollars and cents and payroll and making sure that they they have this, a certain... Uh, number of things that uh, that they have to to be compliant. So what is the what is the difference if uh, HR now has this trusted advisor theme in how it operates? Well, I think it goes back to Aaron's book, Work Inspired, right? Which the simplest, most at its most simplistic, happy employees make happy customers. And, you know, fully embracing HR and, you know, tick and flick, I think I'm going to steal that from you, Nina, if that's okay. Just let me know. Let me know the royalty payments I need to make every time I use it. But um, you know, as Charlie mentioned, our HR director here is part of the leadership team, and you know we don't just engage with this person when it's time to do annual reviews and pay increments. You know, it's part of great place to work. It's part of the stuff that we do in the communities. It's part that parts of the things that we do to enrich um, our team members' lives, both within work and outside of work. And so the position is a much more holistic position uh, and it's also much more inclusive of, of different things other than the typical administrivia that one would find historically associated with the position. And of course, have you noticed any of your major clients almost by osmosis changing how they operate because they've just seen how effective it is when they've been inter interacting with, uh, with your team members, with your colleagues? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, HR has, has transcended, to, to use Neil's phrase, from being more of an administrative tick and flip type of a situation to being truly strategic. How are we going to, I mean, you know, every company's dream is to have a, 
companies that give you that, I mean, employees and team members that give you that discretionary effort that go the extra mile to get, to, to get the results that the customers are looking for. Well, one um, twist on that that's been interesting for us as we advise our customers is the need to be a little more of a truth teller and be more direct. Um, so we've seen thousands of implementations. We've seen thousands of, of these situations in the past as the phrase we use is we, we've seen the movie, we know how it ends. And, um, and sometimes customers want to repave cow paths and do things the way that they've always done things. We have to have the courage to tell them, you might want to consider these other ways. If you go down that path, this is how it's likely to end. Not always the most comfortable conversation to have, but uh, our, our teams have found that, that is, it's the right way to do business. So just in closing, um, I'm just wondering what, uh, what book you've read recently or what's the next book you intend to read that, is, that you think is going to inspire you, perhaps starting with you, Neil? Uh, well, I can't name it because I read an unpublished manuscript of a book that's to be published by, uh, by an author this past weekend. And it has to do, at a high level, it has to do with um, looking at how the new normal is going to be as we kind of exit, um, hopefully sooner versus later, the, the COVID world. And so that's what I read most recently as, as of this weekend was um, a fairly good manuscript for that kind of book. And uh, why you can't tell us by the sounds of things? It's top secret. <laughs> well, I'm not the I'm not the author, and I'm certainly not going to uh, disclose this author's work. That's up to the author to to decide how, when, and 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 where to do it. But um, it's someone that I have great admiration for. It's someone that I've known for quite some time, and um, you know, it was it's a nice piece of work. It's topical. Um, it marries a lot of the concepts that we've been talking about today and other mega trends that are out there in terms of what we're all trying to figure out is what is the new normal going to be? You know, we spoke around that a bunch in this conversation and none of us have a crystal ball. Um, but, you know, this is a pretty good work at that. It's the first one that I've really seen. I've seen other efforts at it. But this is a, a really nice piece of work in that regard. Well, that's exciting. And Neil, as soon as uh, it's available to tell us what that book is, I'll put it in the show notes. So let you me know. You got it. You got a deal. <laughs> I'll check with the author and let you know. And uh, Charlie, um, uh, what's the book that you either read recently or will be reading uh, that will that you think will inspire you? Well, I have two books. One's more of a personal nature. It's the Brothers Karamazov. It was my mother's favorite book, and I want to uh, read that so I can have a good long discussion with her about the Brothers Karamazov. But the other book, uh, probably more relevant to this conversation, is Barack Obama's book. Um, I've heard wonderful things about it. There was a phrase that uh, my partner was reading to me the other day, something to the effect of enthusiasm makes up for a lot of deficiencies. And uh, those are words to live by. I, I'm always enamored by people that are enthusiastic, that hustle, that just work really hard. And I'm looking forward to reading that book. And this is the thing, if people bring enthusiasm to work, it's contagious. And the, the, the trouble is if people bring moodiness or negativity to work, it's actually more contagious than positivity. So we really have to encourage enthusiasm and positivity. But it seems to me that that's exactly what is uh, be, exudes through uh, UKG and Kronos. So 
Thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's been a real pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nina. Thank you, Nina, very much. Pleasure. Well, thanks, everybody, for sharing uh, this half hour or so with uh, Neil Solomon and Charlie DeWitt from UKG, a, the, from the recent merger of Kronos with Ultimate. Please subscribe, give us a rating, uh, give us a comment, and we look forward to the next uh, episode of Manage Self Lead Others. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>